Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of We Can Fix It, another podcast about film. We take films we should have loved, point out how they fell short, and then we make new versions, ones we would have enjoyed so much more. It's everything you never asked for. So stick around and join us for Matrix Reloaded, the Gripes Edition. So this week, I left Chris and Lou to fare on their own. Let's see how they did. Here we go. All right, hey. <laughs> All right. Good start. Chris. Good start. This is We Can Fix It. Today we're fixing The Matrix, the second one. Yeah, Reloaded. Which, yeah. you know, upon watching it again, I think is a good movie. It's an enjoyable watch, yes. I felt like the hurt I had back then when I first watched it, mm-hmm. being so disappointed from the first Matrix, it didn't hurt as much this time when I watched it. See, I had a different take. I remember this when I watched because this movie's now 15 years roughly old, because mm-hmm. 2003, right? Yeah. So, yeah, when I had first watched it, I actually rather enjoyed it. But the reason that I enjoyed it is because I didn't really think much about it. Right, okay. You just like the fighting? I like the fighting. You know, like it had decent pacing. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, too, because you got to see aspects of the world that were not introduced in the sure. first film, like Zion, Zion for example. Yeah. Is it Zion or Scion? That was Zion. With Zion Z. with a Z, okay. Yeah, Zion, for example, so I thought that was all interesting. Coming away from it the first time was definitely more positive than negative. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, of course, when this movie came out, we didn't know anything about the third, because the third didn't exist yet. Yeah. But knowing what happens in the third, it kind of, I think, makes you wonder about the direction that they took it a little bit more. Like, was this the smart thing to do? And also, did they have any idea what they were doing? So, Matrix seems to me to be pretty much its standalone thing, right? That doesn't yeah, really need a sequel. starts and ends, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really need a sequel. And so I was very interested to see Reloaded. I didn't know that they basically wrote the second and the third one after the fact. I thought they had had it, not, not written per se, but like the major plot points all figured out already. Right. But I don't think that they did. No? No, I don't think that they did. Was the second one intentional or was it kind of, for lack of a better word, tacked on? You know, right, right, right. Like, just like, oh, how can we expand this franchise? Where can we go from here? Because they do leave some opening mm-hmm. at the end of the first one, for sure. We talked about Zion, right? Mm, yeah. They talk about it in the first movie. It only makes sense that they would introduce this place and, mm-hmm. and the characters in it and expand more on this universe of, oh, these are all the people that have escaped the Matrix. And what is their life like now? And how are they trying to survive? What does them trying to survive look like? What other characters are there? Because obviously Morpheus doesn't run the whole show. Someone else leads him and someone else leads them. You know, in the second one, it had some good ideas. It led in some um, good directions. But a question I want to pose to you right off the bat is, what did you think the second one was actually about? I really found the second one was just a bridge to get from like the concepts and stuff that you introduced in the first movie, which are very cool. And then to their ideas that they wanted to sort of pitch and wrap everything up in the third movie. It does open the world up and you start to see a lot more like Zion and you start to learn about the machine world and you start to learn about programs in programs and all of that sort of stuff, which is kind of interesting. But it does, I I think the biggest problem with me is I just felt like you're getting too uh, complicated. You're getting a little too heady. That's not really that that necessary. I don't know. It's almost like the same problem that you would have uh, with like the first uh, Star Wars prequels. Like as soon as you start introducing like, oh, and here's the councilman and here's like the government that runs this world. Let's get into that. That's not fun. That's not. (laughs) It's not what people came to watch The Matrix for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. You don't know this until close to the end, but it becomes kind of like a giant conspiracy that's been revealed to at least Neo through the um architect. the architect yeah, yeah. yeah yeah we'll get into it more but like i found that conversation i had to rewind it and watch it again <laughs> like what the hell's he talking about you know and the other thing too is like when neo's talking to him i don't get the sense that neo is getting everything that's being said to him <laughs> like it's just he's gleaning some things yeah that's just ken is acting i think it's i think it's partly <laughs> that but even the architect at the beginning of the conversation says there's some things that i'm going to say to you that you're going to understand some things that you won't understand he ex- is explicit about it yeah, right yeah, like yeah. he he actually says that and i'm thinking okay cool so how are they going to do this but what i found was feel free to disagree but mixed in with the fact that they made him very verbose like he knows who he's talking to he's just talking to a guy yeah. and yet he's u- using all these terminology not standard terminology, let's just sure, say. Sure, yeah. And on top of that, talking about concepts Neil has never heard about before. Yeah. 
So it's like when you combine those two things and then Neo being confused is one thing, but confusing the audience is different. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. You, you really shouldn't be confusing the audience. Like it can be said in a clever way and it can be explained and then you only get it at the very end. Yeah. Okay. But I found at the very end, I kind of got it, but I kind of didn't get it. Yeah. Like he's saying some things and I'm like, okay, so this is some grand <laughs> conspiracy. The humans that are outside of the matrix are almost like they knew about these humans and it's almost like it's intentional. And also there being the one, there has been many, many ones apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And Neo's just the most recent one. And it's almost like they take all this into account when they design the Matrix and when they deal with whoever the one is at any given moment. Yeah. But what I didn't understand is, so maybe you can explain this to me, but it seemed like the architect was saying, we're, we're jumping like way forward, but... That's right, because I think this is, the, this is the biggest problem of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So the architect actually says, you can go through this door, you can go back to the Matrix, mm -hmm. and you can go through this door, and through this door is uh, Zion is destroyed... Yep. But you get to rebuild it. You get to choose among a certain set of humans that'll be, I guess, extracted from the Matrix to start over again. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just thinking, mm -hmm. what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why are you doing that? You're trying to excise this problem from the Matrix, but you're creating a new Zion, which is another problem. So the whole point is to what? Placate the humans? And to think, like, you're just going through these motions to make them think that they're actually in control of their lives when they're not. And the reason you're doing this is because the one, quote unquote, is an inevitability. Yeah. It just seemed like bad writing, like trying to explain away why a one exists and what place the one has in that universe, in that ecosystem, but in a way where the architect can still be in control of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, that. like, the whole concept of control in this movie and, and predisposition is a big problem, I would think, in the way they present it. But that whole scene, I felt kind of like, you know, like, like when you're with your buddies just talking about different concepts, and you're like, oh, is, wouldn't this, this be cool? And imagine this and imagine that. And I think that's what sort of that felt like. Because there were a lot of like interesting concepts, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like you're presenting all of those concepts as just two guys in a room talking about it, as opposed to sort of the first movie, which really was the explanation of one concept, but slowly revealed, you know, in a story. You know, so that at the end, when you realize, oh, my God, this guy's in the Matrix and this yeah. guy has the ability to do it, you're yeah. very enthralled by it. Yeah. This one is like 50 different concepts, which are interesting, but it's all just in one kind of yeah. conversation. That's a very good point, you know? actually. Had they strewn those little nuggets of information, those little hints about how the world actually is mm -hmm. throughout the film, it would give the audience more time to absorb them and understand yeah. them. And the other thing, too, is they could have done it in a way where it was illustrated through action as opposed to just an old guy with a beard yeah, yeah. talking to another yeah, guy Sanders. who doesn't seem to understand him, right, <laughs> yeah. at the very end. Yeah. That is a problem with the movie. But my other problem with the movie is what's leading the plot forward. It seems like you have two MacGuffins in the movie. You've got the Oracle, right. who's just there, they're basically redoing the world a little bit because now, now the Oracle has an actual protector. I just wanted to touch on this. Right. He's not human. Yeah, right? Seraph. He's a program. He's a program, mm -hmm. but he's a superpower program. For some reason, he seems to be more difficult to deal with than even the agents of the program. Right? Yeah, he, he is. He's, he should be stronger than the agents because he's an actual program. See, yeah. here's another like slightly confusing thing that's in this movie because it's like you've got the characters that are sort of uh, part of the Matrix, like just the people and all of these different programs. But then you have these bigger programs that have escaped from the machine world and are hiding in the Matrix, like the Oracle and like the French guy and all of that stuff, yeah. you know. There is nothing that sort of um, helps you tell them apart. So, wait, you're saying that these are not people, these are programs that are hiding in the Matrix. Yes. They're programs. Exactly. Yeah. And one would think, because it's even mentioned by the architect, that the Oracle comes from the time where there was the third Matrix, and they're on the sixth Matrix now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Wait. She's the one that helped develop it to keep it stable. Yeah. She's not as old as him, but she's ancient by most standards. Yeah. Right? So she's been around, so she's very wise. Like, I understand they're trying to weave some fighting sequences throughout the movie, and they're trying to think of excuses to do so. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah, they yeah. introduce yeah. this bodyguard to the Oracle. But my problem is she didn't have a bodyguard in the first film. Yeah. She's just in a house mm -hmm. with a bunch of children. It's almost like no one gave a shit about her. No one was trying to get after her because if they did, well, maybe they were. It's just she could see the future. Yeah. So she would just see it coming, I guess. And she mm -hmm. could just like move places. But I don't see why that would be any different in the second film. So I do think the introduction of that new character that is her bodyguard is kind of pointless. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just combat for combat's sake. I mean, he could have just fought someone else randomly. It wouldn't have really mattered. Right. Um, but just to have a fight scene, you mean. Yeah. Just to have a fight scene, man. I yeah. mean, shit. They could have just made the Oracle herself fight him. 
I mean, she's ancient. Maybe she can has <laughs> groovy combat skills. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I wanted to see. I would want to see that. <laughs> but my issue with the Oracle, beyond them changing the format of how she's introduced and the fact that she needs protecting now in the world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they don't really explain it, at least that I saw, is that she introduces doubt in him. He figures out that she's actually a program, not a real person. Yep. And she admits that. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, how can I trust you? And she's like, oh, well, you know, you can trust me. You cannot trust me. The choice is yours, right? Yeah. And But in the first movie... But not really, because basically what she's saying in that speech is sort of like, you've made all your choices already. You just have to understand why you've made them. Yeah. So she knows that he's going to do all of these things, yeah. you know, which hints at a bigger problem in a storytelling standpoint. And as an audience member, you're like, what? So all of this is like already written like yeah, he, there is no choice but the whole thing is about him making a choice yeah it's kind of about him making a choice but he only ever really makes one choice right and it comes at the very end yes my problem with the oracle is it worked in the first movie because having mystical elements unexplained elements in a film isn't bad as long as you are tactful with it mm-hmm. but in this movie i think it just goes a little bit overboard in that she says you need to find the merovingian right and from yep. him you need to get the keymaker they didn't yep. know anything about that keymaker stuff yeah before so her. didn't know about merovingian didn't know about the keymaker this is all new information to neo and i'm not even sure he asked why but if he did ask why she certainly didn't give him an answer right which is a big problem with this film too is whenever there's a question of why i'm doing something there's either no answer or there's an answer that isn't a real answer yeah given. which brings me to the key maker okay so the oracle sends him on this journey it's not even really difficult they literally just walk in and see the, the merovingian and he just turns them down right so it's yeah. not even like they need to do any cool like sneak into his mansion or something like that they just like meet him head on and he's yeah. like nope I'm not having any of that. The Oracle doesn't really give him any information other than what he absolutely needs to continue the plot. She doesn't explain why he's doing that. She's just saying, do it. Trust me, don't trust me, whatever. And he's like, you know, what choice do I have? It's like, I'm going on nothing or I'm going on what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. They really are just along for the ride. They're not really doing anything. I think the Merovingian, he actually addresses that point where he's like, you guys are great at just following orders. Yeah. He's like, you know, that's all you've done. It's almost like his commentary is not even at them. It's at the script writers (laughs) of the film, you know. Exactly. Um, She's barely a character. She's barely there. But she serves as an important plot Yes. Direction switch. Yeah. First, they don't know what the hell they're doing. And then she's conveniently there. And then she conveniently tells them exactly what they need to do. But she doesn't explain why at all. And then that brings us to the Merovingian. So, you know, they go there. They say, can we have the keymaker? He denies that request. And then per serendipity or whatever you call it, like convenience of plot, uh, his wife comes out and helps them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get the key maker. And then, of course, yeah. there's a there's a dispute. There's the, the combat, which admittedly I enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the key maker is the same kind of thing as the oracles in that they get him. He's not explained. He doesn't explain anything himself. And then at the very end, when Neo has to... He still doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but the keymaker's like, only the one can get into this door on this building right. through this with using this key or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they ask him why, he's like, my job is to know or something like that. Right. So he basically ducks the question. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the movie, and that's a problem that I have with the movie is I don't mind a bit of that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you introduce a character like the Oracle, and she just knows because she knows, because she's, like, seeing the future or whatever, okay, fine. But, like, when you have too many characters like that that are just giving you information, you don't know where they got the information or how it even makes sense, you just kind of blindly follow it because, I guess, you've got no alternative. Yeah. It's just kind of pathetic, you know? It's kind of like... Here is Zion going to be attacked by these robots, and due to some kind of religious fantasy or whatever, Morpheus is just believes that something's going to happen for them, right? They're yeah. just going to make it work. But he doesn't have any idea how, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? They're just going through some motions, and they keep going through these motions that are set into play by these other people that know something and never tell them what it is, right? right. Never really explain anything. So that's a problem that I have with the movie, too, is that it's interesting. There's lots of opportunities where they could be explaining stuff, but they just never bother. Right? I, th- I think it's because uh, like they, they just don't have a, a good answer for it. Or yeah. like a satisfying answer for yeah. it, which is kind of fine. And it works um, in a lot of stories where when you're just giving like little bits of that. But it's almost like they've scratched too much of the surface, I think, where they started to dig into like explaining like too much of what this thing is about. So it's almost like you're like, OK, well, I guess they're going to lead you into some kind of an answer. But yeah. then they never do. And I guess that's yeah. the frustrating part. That is a good point. For, for example, in the first movie, you don't know that the Oracle is 
AI, basically, just yeah. a synthetic person inside of the Matrix. It's left open for your own interpretation. Yeah. At that point, you would assume that it's actually just a person yeah, who you has might. achieved like an, another level of power they keep saying Neo, Neo is supposed to have. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they introduce this element of, oh, actually, some of the people, quote unquote, in this universe, they're not even people. Mm-hmm. They're AIs. I mean, they don't even explain this, but it's implied that that's why, you know, they have their own superpower powers mm-hmm. and stuff like that of a sort. Um, like the key maker can make it effectively a key that can take him to any place on the planet. Yeah, that's what his will. program does. I yeah, guess. that's yeah, what his program yeah, does. Yeah. None of that's explained. It does, it's not explained why he can do that, how he can do that, what purpose he f- he served before that. Does he still exist? Why did the Merovingian even have him? Presumably to use him. For me, it would have been interesting if they added, like, just to pick one character. So the Merovingian, which he's not a real person either. He's a program in a program. So is he using the Keymaker to basically manipulate the world for riches or for spoils of some sort or they, yeah, they pleasures? Don't, they, or? they don't say. But, they, but you know, I guess it is just a, a matter of a powerful person yeah. collecting or keeping powerful things. And it would have been interesting for them to imply just a little bit what the relationship between him is and the rest of the Matrix. If he's using the Keymaker, which is basically a hack in the Matrix, mm-hmm. right? Like he can open safes and, you know, steal money. He can travel around the world like, you know, almost instantaneously. Yeah. And that would give him a huge advantage over anyone who's just a person. And so you would think that whatever the white equivalent of the white blood cells are in the Matrix, I suppose the agents that are sent out, mm-hmm. would want to be constantly trying to infiltrate his stronghold and try to take him down. But you don't really see any of that stuff. You don't know what the relationship between him and the controllers and the organizers and the regulators of the Matrix I would have liked to see them butting heads. Right, getting you, more into the, the whatever goes on in the machine world, yeah. basically. Like, what there are the dynamics there, like these programs that run away. Like, how are they even yeah. given that choice to be able to run away? Or, For example, the Keymaker, when uh, Morpheus is with him alone, and they're on the top of the truck, and the agent jumps on top, and they have that combat sequence. Mm-hmm. When Morpheus looks like he's done for, the agent actually talks to the Keymaker and says that you're basically not fit for purpose anymore. Yeah. You need deleting. Yeah. Well, that implies something about the other rogue programs that are around doing whatever they want yeah. that probably shouldn't exist anymore. Presumably, the agents are trying to crack down on that. Yeah. But you don't get a sense of that except for that one time. And it's almost like the agents just happen to be there because they see some shit going on. Yeah. Like, otherwise, they wouldn't even have been there in the first place, yeah. you know? So it just seems like an interesting idea that just wasn't fully thought out. Yeah, and I think it is just because there are so many ideas that have been piled on here. You know, and I think that's the problem. I mean, I, I guess watching it again, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I like this. But it, it's a problem in the sense that it makes for a, a story that's not enjoyable. <laughs> or not, yeah. not enjoyable, but not as good as it, as it could be. Yeah. Because you're, you're tackling so many different things. Yeah. It feels very much like a video game. You're not really making any choices <laughs> as yeah. the main character. You're just getting from fight sequence to fight sequence, getting something, getting the the message from the Oracle. You know, the whole first half is all it's, it's all this talk about just we got to leave a ship behind because the Oracle is going to contact us, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's just like trying to get this one thing from the Oracle and then you don't even see that part, them actually getting the message. But there's those two, I guess, uh, ship captains or whatever. Uh, Kane, who actually get that thing from the Oracle and they got to bring it to Neo. So you haven't even spent any time with these characters. They just show up and it's like, oh, I've got this thing. And they, one guy goes on the phone and then Agent Smith gets into Kane, which yeah. is another crazy thing to think of and, and talk about. But, you know, it's just about getting things, fight, 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 getting thing, fight, 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 getting thing, not really making any choices or anything like that. Yeah. You know? forgot about agent smith so if there's any evidence that this movie is to be continued it's the whole thing with agent smith yeah they're not really explaining like what the hell's going on with agent smith what's driving him like we know that it's probably maybe in part vendetta based on what he said that it's more like because he's broken away from his programming and he can kind of do whatever he wants now he did he wants to kill neo well first he wanted to take him over couldn't do that so now next best thing is he wants to kill him his motives are fairly opaque you don't really know what they are other than he just wants to fuck around in the world specifically with the humans that are injecting themselves into the matrix like he could really do whatever he wants now 
Yeah, he he was almost would almost be like any of those other rogue programs that have sort of escaped into the matrix, and he's not being controlled by the machine world anymore. Like yeah. that's why he gives Neo his like his earpiece. He's like, oh, I don't need this anymore. I'm not attached, and I want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I think that seed got kind of confusing, and it made more sense the second time around. The, what made it confusing was sort of like there's a knock on the door of the, wherever they're having that secret meeting, all of the captains, and it's Agent Smith who gives that earpiece. Mm-hmm. And then the next people who are at the door are agents from the machine world. So the confusing part is sort of like, well, are they together? Are Smith and those agents are together? I guess they're all on the same team. They're all on the other side of that door. But it's not. He came, gave the earpiece, went and hid somewhere so that those agents could come to the door, yeah. have that fight, and Neo beats them all up. And then I guess after they're beat up, he comes back again. It's sandwiched, and it's all three of them together. But it yeah. almost made it seem like... He was in, still in charge of those agents that fought. So he's still part of like the machine programming. And he's yeah. just like, let those guys fight and lose. And then he just comes up afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he shows up with like a duplicate copy of himself. So that part is a little confusing, having those two um, opposing bad guys in the exact same uh, scene on the one side of the fence against you. Uh, I guess this is a good time to talk about maybe smaller gripes. Because I think we've tackled the bigger ones at this point. Right. One of my smaller gripes, which I do think is important. Except for Kane. Kane is my one of my biggest gripes. I don't mind him as much. I just don't think he's used very well, I guess you could say. Yeah. He's barely in the movie. My bigger thing is how they use Neo. In the first movie, it's implied that he's like reached this whole other level. We talked about this a little bit before. Basically, at the end of the first film, uh-huh. he can see the Matrix for what it actually is. Like, he's literally seeing the, the code. Number. He sees yeah. the code itself. Now... It's not explicitly stated what that means for him. Mm-hmm. And the next thing he does is he fights Agent Smith and he just obliterates him. He, he just beats him without even trying. And then he moves so fast, Agent Smith can't even comprehend. And then he literally jumps into his body and makes him explode. Yeah. So the implication there is he literally destroyed Agent Smith, meaning Agent Smith can't even repossess another human's body anymore. He's just been wiped out. Now, I understand how, okay, his programming was corrupted or something like that because of that event. And he mm-hmm. did come back, yeah. but now he's not really part of the Matrix in the same way. Okay, yeah. that's that's fine. Yeah. I don't mind that. But it, this more has to do with what it implies about where Neo is going with his abilities. He can see the Matrix for what it is. Then you enter this movie. He's got some abilities that he didn't have in the, the first movie, maybe. But he doesn't even have all the abilities that he had in the first movie. Like, for example, when they're talking to the Merovingian, and the Merovingian's, like, keeping stuff from and then they all exit after they were rejected by the Merovingian. Trinity or Neo asks him, like, how he knows that this was the right move, and Morpheus basically says, because we survived. And I was like, bitch, Neo was right there. <laughs> like, what is he, chopped liver now? Like, he could obliterate everyone. But, of course, yeah. in this movie, he can't do that He anymore. can't do that, yeah. And, yeah. and it's, that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, really, he should be on a whole another tier from all of them, basically. And when he's talking to a character like the Merovingian, or even the Oracle at this point, he should almost, like, they don't even need to talk to him. He's just extracting information from them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's seeing the Matrix. There should be some implication to that. And in this movie, they kind of like rewound him a bit and just made him, like, now he can fly. Yeah. But he still needs to do all the same stuff that he did yeah. in the middle of the last movie. Yeah, he can, only, he can only do the two things he did at the end of the first Matrix. Stop, stop bullets and he can fly. Yeah. Otherwise, he's still exactly the same. It's even implied that he can die in this too, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like uh, the Merovingian confronts them and Neo's like, you know, I'll take care of these guys, right? And then they they shoot him. I think a cooler thing would have been if he didn't even stop the bullets. They just went through him. Right, right, right. And he just doesn't die. Yeah. Because he's Neo. Yeah. And it, bullets don't kill him now. Not like basically nothing kills him. But punches and kicks can. Punches, punches and kicks are somehow threatening to them. And he feels the need to defend himself and fight in that way. And then there's one point where he blocks, like, I don't know, his skin's made out of metal now or something like that like yeah. it's really durable because he blocks the sword like a full big ass sword with his just the back of his hand right. and it draws a little bit of blood and then the Merovingian or one of the other guys is like oh see look he's mortal you can actually kill him and I was like no he should be invincible like that doesn't mean anything you could cut him in half and he'd probably just poof reappear just yeah. like whole if you can shoot him and he doesn't die what good is any kind of damage done to him going to serve? He really should be a good an analog would be Dr. Manhattan at this point. He right. just kind of reforge himself at will, basically teleports around the world, moving so fast that other people can't even comprehend. So he's having all these battles with all these lower tier, what you would think are lower tier enemies. And he beats them, but it's not as 
easy as you would think it should be, given yeah. the power set Neo should probably have at this point. Well, that's why, like, like I, I appreciate those fight sequences just for the fact of, like, you get to watch them and they're cool. Yeah. But you're right, it's almost like he's got the hack that stops bullets, yeah. but not punches and kicks. Well, you know, so that, that's why it's like... Just to show how badly his powers are choreographed, there's one point in that same battle where he flips up to the top part of uh, it's the like staircase. the staircase, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he pulls weapons off the wall with telekinesis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah see. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, okay, I get it. So he's, he's using telekinesis to stop the bullets. Now it's kind of explained, so yeah. we know it's telekinesis. Why doesn't he just use it all the time? Yeah. Why doesn't he just like go like this switch his hand across the air through the air and just make them all like go flying or like impact them so hard they all die or something yeah, like that. No, like no. they depowered him so much but it's almost like they just super powered him at the end of the matrix thinking oh well this might be the only movie that we make yeah so it's kind of like we're just gonna say he's super powered look out machines because you've got a super powered guy on your hands which is great very satisfying ending because even as the audience member you're like yeah awesome look out this guy can do it all mm-hmm. and then now it's like oh wait, let's let's not have him be able to do it all so they've yeah. got to like rewrite it in a, in a way i kind of think there was a big missed opportunity here one keeping neo consistent because there really are ways that they could have given him challenges that weren't the challenges they gave him in Reloaded mm-hmm. that still would have been sufficient challenge for the audience to enjoy a battle. Like, for example, think about, I don't want to say the movie Batman versus Superman, but like, think of that dynamic, right? So how does Batman beat Superman? Well, first, it would be my argument, my contention that he really can't beat him. But in the comics, he beats him sometimes, right? How does he beat him? Well, planning. he outsmarts him. Through planning. Yeah, through planning. Yeah. So you don't beat Neo just throwing punches at him. That's yeah. dumb. You beat him because you're smarter than him or you know things he doesn't know. Mm. The Matrix is filled with information Neo doesn't know yet. And so there's a big opportunity for the architect or some lower tier participant in the Matrix to use their incredible knowledge to trick Neo into doing things that actually hurt him or hurt his cause rather than help him or just keep him busy. There's only one part in the movie where he faces off against foes that he had faced that are akin to the foes he faced off in the first movie. And just to point out how powerful he is, he should just obliterate them almost with just a thought, you know, yeah. just like they're gone. They don't even exist anymore. That should be where he is. And then the rest of the movie is to show off what the Matrix now needs to do to face this. For example, if you're the architect, you're the perfect supervillain for Neo because you made the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Even if he breaks the rules of the Matrix, he's still a human being, which means that his mind thinks in human ways. Like, what if you created a universe which you force Neo to enter in order to even access you that doesn't even have the same physics in it? And then you're making another one inside of that one. And then you're throwing all these barricades up that, like, his human brain can barely even comprehend, but yet he somehow has to transcend those things, right? Mm. They could have been really playful and use the architect to do what his name would imply and actually architect something, <laughs> throw up some roadblocks for what the current Neo should be. Um, but they didn't do that. And the argument from their perspective could have been, oh, yeah, but Neo, you know, he's the main character and the first movie's got lots of combat in it. And we wanted to reintroduce that because that's what people expect. And I'm just thinking, I don't think that's a valid argument either because you have all these other characters. You got Trinity, you got Morpheus, you got all these new guys that you've introduced. Mm -hmm. What are they, chop liver? They fight too. It's just they're not Neo. So Mm -hmm. how about you have them face off against the physical threats? Right. And then you have Neo face off against a larger threat than that, right? right? right. Which is the architect. Yeah. Maybe make the architect not as arrogant and maybe feel like neo is an actual threat yeah because neo quite literally is an actual threat and it's shown at the very end of the movie this is all assuming that they're not in another matrix by the way but he's able to somehow affect the robots in the real world yeah that's another big uh issue i had with this movie and how that movie ended i mean i guess it was on purpose the fact that you're like oh my god how did he stop those robots in the real world you know Mm -hmm. which i still don't understand fully how that works you know, I can even semi-buy uh, that Agent Smith goes into Bane and enters the human world, even though that's like kind of a, a leap for mm-hmm. me. But I guess, you know, everyone's got like their implants in their brain. So I guess somehow he was able to get in there and he's able to hijack the whole body. <laughs> like he, It does know? seem a little <laughs> bit like 
very plot conveniency. It's, yeah, it's very plot conveniency, you know, in, yeah. in, to put a threat in the real world. This yeah. this third threat, even though there was already the machine world threat, this huge threat that they're supposed to be battling against. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's a, a big jump. But then the, the one that I still don't understand is like how Neo is able to stop actual machines in the real world. Do yeah. you know? I don't remember how he does it because the third movie is just a clusterfuck. So yeah, no, that's that's why I feel like oh maybe we should have talked about the third movie because this one is kind of like it's okay and it's just almost like just bridging stuff and uh, showing you more secrets or mysteries that you want to solve, mm-hmm. um, and it just ends with a couple uh, zingers where you're like oh man this is not yeah. what I, where I thought it would go or this is yeah. this is too much. Thinking about uh, the Kane character for a second, what would have been an interesting way to use him was. What if Agent Smith didn't take over his body, but he did upload himself to Kane, and then when Kane was in Zion and plugged himself into the Zion mainframe, what if mm, right. he could get into the Zion computers? Sure, yeah. And then he could control, inter- control the machines that yeah. Zion depends on. Yeah, I think that would have been more interesting. Actually. Yeah, that's more interesting. I mean, I, I, I get it, you know. The whole thing is the movie's called The Matrix, and you want to go back in The Matrix and see that sort of fake world and how Neo is so much more powerful in that fake world and you see that but it's, i think the movie what it really needed to do was like at the end of the first movie you're done you've kind of broken the matrix and yeah. it's like the second movie should have all taken place in the real world and finding out about zion and finding out about the machine world mm-hmm. you know and getting into that sort of history and the actual physical fight where now neo is just like this human who doesn't know kung fu for real he just knows it when he's yeah. in the matrix you know what yeah. i mean so that would have been a way to depower him uh that character and, and yeah propel the story forward that way but i don't know i mean yeah it is an enjoyable movie and it, like we're griping on it a lot but i did enjoy it it's just it has a lot of things where you really question the motivation for why they made it the way they made it take zion for example yeah these humans have somewhat to the extent that they can rejected ai right Yes. Because of, you know, they've learned their lesson. Oh, we can't make something super smarter or it'll kill us or whatever it is. Right. But Zion seems overly sophisticated still for a city that is made by humans because it it seems like oddly automated and sophisticated to the point where you're like, are they really divorced? Have they really divorced themselves from technology as much as possible? Because like, for example, at the very beginning, you see them walking, the dude walking around in a fucking mech. Yep. And you're just like, how does that make any sense? Like, okay, first of all, it's a city. It's not like he's going very far. The city's right there. Uh-huh. So if anything were to get in, why does he need to be in a mech? <laughs> he's not going anywhere. He's just like walking along a path and back and forth. So I was just thinking like, why didn't they just put a turret <laughs> in like, you know, you've got like a some pedestals and you put some turrets on them. Yeah, uh, that yeah. kind of makes more sense than a guy walking around in a mech. But I get for wow factor reasons. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to look cool. But to me, that does not read as humans that are only creating technology out of necessity. That doesn't read like that. That reads like, oh, it's these same gluttons for technology as humans have always been. And they're creating mechs where they don't even fucking need a mech. Why is the guy walking around in a mech? It just doesn't make sense. It's just over overly complicating things. Yeah. The other thing, too, is it's like the whole Zion situation can't figure out what it is. If you recall the part where I don't know what his role is. He's a counselor or he's he's one of the head chiefs of the whole the guy Zion that has the, the the conversation with Neo on yeah. the balcony. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what his exact role yeah. was, but he's yeah, like he's like he's a councilman. Councilman. Uh, he so he addresses a a crowd in a cave. Yep. Not even with the mic. So Zion <laughs> has mechs. It's got floating ships. That, it's yeah. got all this sophisticated yeah. technology, in it, and then they're in a cave yeah. with seemingly no technology. Stalactites and stalagmites. They're that's just the, in a that's giant the acu- cave. That's the acoustics cave. It's so perfectly yeah. harnessed that if you speak from that. That where that guy was standing, it reverberates to the entire cave. Yeah, that's why they have all their meetings there. <laughs> I, and then they have their weird techno orgy thing that yeah, happens yeah, yeah. after they're, that. Their their rave. Yeah, the first Matrix is so very nineties. Yeah, you know, if you wanted to encapsulate the nineties, it's the Matrix Blade, probably. Like it's so very night, like all that black leather and all that electronic music. Yeah, you yeah. know, of just of that time. That kind of rate, and this is still very much in that. Even though you can tell it's a little more modern, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. getting into the, which I think is kind of like to its disadvantage because the fact that um, the first Matrix was so '90s and so stylized yeah. helped the factor of it's like, oh, I can suspend my disbelief because I am in kind of like this weird dream world. Whereas this one, it starts to get a little too real 
I do love that very stylized version of, hey, the guy's just walking around in like a full leather suit and it's like, okay, you know, all right. Mm -hmm. Everything is kind of black and white, you know, in the Matrix. And that's kind of cool. You'll see like in the Matrix, it's almost like, don't get on the highway. Like there's one highway. Or like, where am I? You're in the mountains, you know, (laughs) which is just like, oh, you're just 500 miles south. You're in the city. Like there's only one. It's very like video gamey, right? Like once you get to the mountains, your character can't go any farther because you're at the mountains. So it it does feel like that, which I think they should have leaned into more with how stylized it is. Mm -hmm. You can sort of accept everyone's just in white suits and black ties. And that's just how society is. And it's kind of semi super corporate, very 50s. I think we talked about this before, also like that Dark City movie, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, yeah. that other one that was almost very Matrixy themed yeah. about the aliens that take over that. Like, I love the style in that it just tells you that one story and you get more into that world. Whereas this one, again, same problem of scratching too much at it and revealing too much. You're going yeah. too deep into like all of these things where it's like, now I got to find about the how the council politics work in Zion. And I got to find out about all yes. of this stuff. And it's a little too much and it pulls away from... Yeah. from the story but yeah that that uh the the rave orgy is also very 90s and you could see like everyone getting all hype and it's like the people jumping up and down you almost expect them to have like pacifiers and like whistles and glow sticks and yeah. stuff like that it was just <laughs> it's just a confused movie that doesn't quite know what it is i would get it if they literally lived in a cave all the time and they're like oh we're kind of going back to the whole hunter gatherer gatherer thing but you know we scorched the earth so now we got to do it underground i guess right yeah 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 but they don't do that i mean the city itself is very sophisticated but they escape to this cave that doesn't have any technology in it yeah they live underground i could kind there's, of there's a lot of technology down there there's a yeah. lot of machines you know yeah. they, they they that whole talk on the bridge is really pointed in the fact that they talk about look at that thing that thing purifies all our water i don't know how it does yeah, it but, yeah 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 again this is like talking about concepts so this whole movie maybe that's the issue it's all about talking about these interesting concepts but it almost feels like you know something you would do like in a lecture hall at school and not so much about like the bits of information you need to like push a story a singular story forward Mm -hmm. this is all very much like what happened with this like what's the debate between choice and predetermination what's the debate between having faith in the machines and having faith in like the religious stuff like they, they play on, like, they th- all that stuff is purposeful. That, that's the one thing about this movie that I think is fascinating to me. Like, I think everything is on purpose, you know what I mean? Yeah. The whole thing about, like, oh, the his, the girlfriend gives the bracelet. She's like, oh, he's like, well, I don't want to wear this. And like, oh, it's, it's about faith. It's about, like, I believe in it, so you should. And that's what the whole thing is. It's about, like, do you believe that? <laughs> Which And any kind of story that comes down to that, there's never really going to be a satisfying answer Unless you are the type of person who really leans heavily in the one way that the movie is going to come out. And you're like, yes, I do have faith. And I do think it's just faith and belief Mm -hmm. that Neo can control machines with his mind no matter where he is. Yes, he's just special. I I don't need an answer. Then that's fine. But Yeah, I think where this movie goes a bit wrong with the whole faith thing... Because I agree with you, it's just that it's expanded too far now. Like, cause it was, it started with Morpheus, but yeah. then it grew to become the whole team. But had faith in Neo being the one. Yeah, right? in huge parts of of Zion, like they go to extra efforts to show that people worship him like a god. They're like, yeah. please bless my baby, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, my issue, the way it's dealt with in this movie versus the first movie, is it was more clustered around a very specific idea. Everywhere else, Morpheus was using all the faculties of his brain to figure out every situation. Mm -hmm. Like, if he was just the one and they had faith in him from the beginning to just be able to somehow do stuff that they couldn't, why would they bother trying to train him or anything? Yeah. What was the point of that? Yeah. They wouldn't do any of that because they would just have faith. And I kind of felt there was more of that kind of just letting faith run its course in the second film. Like, for example, Morpheus, he doesn't really know why he's doing anything he's doing. He just has faith that the Oracle has something important to tell them, and somehow that's going to lead to something else, and that something else is going to lead to the answer. He doesn't know any of this stuff. He doesn't yeah. know any of it. He's totally yeah. unprepared for it. He's just kind of there along for the ride and experiencing it, but not understanding any of it and not trying to dictate any of it. Like, at least in the first movie, they're having to fight every inch to try to get their way of how it ends to make the conclusion be their conclusion, the one yeah. that they wanted it to be. Yeah. They're still having to fight, but there's some pieces that are missing and they leave those up to Neo. Okay, granted, there's some things Morpheus is just out of his control. He just can't deal with. So he leaves that magic to Neo to deal with. But in this movie, it was more like he's just kind of leaving everything 
for someone else to deal with. And he's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really well explained why he's so determined to stay outside of Zion to be able to have constant communications with the Matrix, right? Right, right. It's not really well articulated well, yeah, why it, he needs to do it that. It sort of plays him as being like this super guy of, of faith. Like the whole structure of like the Oracle and all of that. You really, yeah. It really it becomes clear in this movie that this huge portion of regular people living in Zion don't believe in that. That's just dumb religion stuff and that's not even possible. Like why are you bothering people who actually don't even really believe necessarily in the abilities of the of the one mm-hmm. even though i guess he's his physical like he's doing it you know what i mean in there but still people don't believe him and and they really play morpheus as still being that man of faith where he's like no 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 you know this is the way that this whole war is going to end it's all going to be through the magic of this one guy and and the magic of like the oracle and that all of all of that stuff so and then it kind of makes him look like a fool i think it's sort of like plays Morpheus off as almost being like a foolish blinded by that kind of yeah. uh, faith. See, I don't mind that as long as his shift in character is articulated in the movie. From the first movie to this movie, he had faith, but his again, his faith was very focused. It was focused on one thing, which was Neo being this savior. But in the second movie, it just seems like he's having faith for the sake of having faith in yeah. just everything that that's happening. If it was explained a bit differently, like Neo needs to be in contact with the Matrix, and here's why. And then Morpheus' superior says, but how do you even know that Neo can face this threat? It all makes sense up until when Morpheus says, because I have faith that Neo is the one, and he'll be able to transcend whatever problem there is. The other guy who's like the critic, he doesn't say, okay, you know, tell me exactly what your plan is. Because had he said that, Morpheus wouldn't have had an answer at all. Yeah, He's just yeah. like, well, we're just waiting for a sign, basically. Yeah, just waiting for Neo. He's like, it's all going to be Neo. Neo's going to figure it out and be able to like snap his fingers and all the machines will yeah. die or something like that. You know, I guess that's... And I think that that is against Morpheus's character, to tell you the truth. Because even though Morpheus is, I guess, a religious man in some sense, mm-hmm. he's not an idiot, yeah. He always has a plan. But in this, it just kind of seems like he's adrift in an ocean or something like that. And like uh-huh. wherever the currents take him is where he's going. His plan is so simplistic, uh-huh. like just waiting in the Matrix for a sign. It just would have been nice if they could introduce a way for them to have known something more. What if they could get wind that there is this architect guy and their ultimate goal is to meet with him and converse with him. And they believe that is the way that they can save Zion. Maybe they can make a deal with him. Maybe they can't defeat him because he is like the maker of the Matrix or whatever. So they don't necessarily have hopes of that. And then all the steps that they take after that are them trying to secure that appointment with the architect. Sure. It's a bit too convenient in the sense that Neo meets with the Oracle. The Oracle gives him exactly the information he needs to go to the next step. And then when they're at the next step, it's basically like... They're relying on sheer luck that it's going to work out because it initially doesn't work out. But Morpheus knows, oh, we're not dead. So it worked out somehow, right? <laughs> like that makes sense. And then What's-Her-Face shows up. Then they get the key maker. And all they have to do is just fend themselves off long yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. And then the key maker gives them some more information that, that is not, again, explained. And then finally, they're able to get to the architect. What drove the plot in the first movie was their literal actions in the world. Everything they did drove the story in a direction. But here it just kind of seems like... Other elements that are out of their control are driving everything that they do. And they're not even really questioning it. Morpheus isn't like, do you think they're just bullshitting us or what? Yeah. Trinity never says that. Neo never really says that. Except for the one time he's talking to the Oracle in the beginning. And he's like, how do I even know that I can trust you? He believed her before. Yeah. And now he just doesn't believe her now? Like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, I think that that's the what I would have liked to see more is that you're right. Like, that interaction between the people of Zion and, like, the machine world. Like, how much do they know about the history of how all of this came down? And how much do they know of what's going on in the machine world and what the uh, intentions are of the AI that they, that are trying to kill them? Like, what what's that all about? Like, for some reason, they're able to, like, once they sort of free a mind one of these humans that are plugged into the matrix they have the capabilities of flushing them out and getting them somehow right yeah they pick them up in the sewers they, they have some kind of clandestine connection to that world where they're like sneaking in and out i guess of the machine world and i guess i would have liked to have seen more of that as opposed to going back into the matrix and just getting into all of this heavy philosophical stuff about yeah. like 
choice you don't have a choice but you do have a choice and you're the one and what you can do and all of this sort of stuff because i don't know i guess you just know that there's no real answers at the end of those kinds of questions even the end of the first matrix was like oh now meet neo he's just got all of the all of these powers yeah you do expect the, the matrix to be broken at that point and then the machine world to just be like all right we've got to shut it down because this guy's already he's already broken it we've yeah. got to, we've got to cut them off and like figure out a, a different way of doing that and not letting these people back in where they can just keep going and keep freeing people. At the end of the first movie, it was so great. And then at the start of this movie, it's like, we freed more minds in the last six months than the last six years. I was like, that's it? That's all you've done with your new ability of being able to do anything in this world? Yeah. So that's a bit of a, a letdown. But then there's all these other things, you know, like they threw in like the, the Senate stuff, which I thought was very Star Wars-y, but kind of boring in the sense of like, understanding that i mean it's it's interesting it's definitely interesting if i was to like read about it in a comic book i'd be very enthralled by it but it's for the same reason that it didn't work in star wars it doesn't really work here it's just not interesting to talk about people just talking about stuff and then they they kind of shoehorn this uh i guess love triangle with morpheus and nairobi and the captain of the other one like see it's right it's like it's wasted wasted film it's it's yeah it's not really explored it's, it's not explored. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, uh, in an elevator, uh, Trinity and, and Canary is just like, oh, they, they've got some history. That's the reason why there's that tension. You know, yeah. it, it's very explainy. Like the whole movie is just like, yeah. I'm not going to actually do the, the story work of getting you into these characters. I'm just going to tell you that mm-hmm. it's like there's a love triangle and that's why they don't like each other. So then they can act that way. You know what I mean? So um, all that stuff I've also didn't really work for me going back to the the workings of the matrix thing you said something to me that was interesting before and i like this idea where what if they had gone a different direction and there's what the normal humans are doing i mean there's a reason why the agents are trying to crack down on them presumably it's not just because they've escaped it's also because they're disruptive right mm, in the world yeah, yeah, right yeah. but neos should be at this point disruptive in a way that's like many many times greater than what the other humans are capable of yeah. and so i think it would have been more interesting what if he can be compelled to believe that his actions are actually a disturbance to the world and all the other humans in it in the matrix which he does want to get them out of but it's screwing them up killing them what if the architect could have, could have actually seeked him out instead of the other way around right right, right. that would have been interesting this could have been cool. Like, what if you have an opening sequence with the agents? You've got Morpheus and you got the other humans, and they're facing off against the agents. But Neo's there, and they just kind of look for. They know that they're fine because Neo is there, and Neo like just literally wipes the first batch mm-hmm. out. They're just gone. Like he just yeah. snaps his fingers, and they're gone. Yeah. And then he goes to do the same with the second batch, but then he disappears. Right. It's because the architect has taken him to another part of the matrix. It's mm. that's sectioned off to have a personal conversation. And meanwhile, while that's happening. Morpheus and his crew are now having to deal with these upgraded agents, right? right, That are even more dangerous than the previous ones. And Neo's in a whole other place, you know, like he doesn't even know where he is. He doesn't know really who he's talking to. And the architect's like, I wish I didn't have to do this. And then he's like, you know, explaining what his role is and all this other stuff. Neo's like, why should I believe you? Why should I trust you? Like, I should be destroying you right now. You're my enemy. And then the architect's like, am I your enemy? Am I the one that, because if you destroy me, what else do you destroy? Because let me just show you something. And then he shows him what Neo's actual impact in the world is. And it's largely more negative than Neo had even thought. Yeah, right, right, right. right. It's the same motivation. He wants to save people, but he has to do the opposite of what he thought he had to do in order to serve that function. It would give good reason for why Neo was not aiding the other humans, and it would kind of elevate him to a whole other challenge another challenge another challenge and it will also progress the story in a way that no one would have really saw coming so he's got to now think of a way that he can defeat the architect without doing all the things that he has kind of experimenting with with his abilities so yeah so you can still uh keep the matrix part of it and that kind of Mm -hmm. fun that you've seen in the first movie but put that load onto those supporting characters yeah and separate you know yeah that 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 would work i think that would make more sense like i mean that's literally true in the movie yeah, it's flying through true. the city. It's almost like they, they don't care about um, all of those people that are trapped in the Matrix so much anymore. Yeah. It's almost like they're, they're just trying to save Zion, you know, the people yeah, yeah. people there. That whole thing was confusing. And even though you just reminded me of that architect scene where it was kind of revealing that, oh, there's like six previous versions and we've done this before and you can choose 16 more people to rebuild another Zion, which is like, again, 
a very interesting, fascinating kind of concept to think about and explore. But then they do it again. It's just two guys sitting in a room talking about it, which isn't that exciting. But then they also, which I thought added to a level of confusion when he's like, you did it a lot faster than the last time you did it. And it's, it, on the screens are a bunch of Neos. Yeah. We are to assume that those are the past Neos and that's how they reacted those six times. How is that possible? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of weird stuff. Like the previous one wouldn't have been Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it wouldn't have been one would have been a different guy. Like right? it, it, it makes sense. It would make sense if they were themselves a program because the program could have just been duplicated. And he's like another version of the same guy. Oh, sure. If it's a program and a program. But yeah, yeah, he's yeah. an actual human being. Yeah. And we've already seen him. Yes. And there wouldn't have been other human beings that were identical to him no. before. Why would there be? So that doesn't make sense. Unless he's, they always, they're, they're cloned. All those humans are cloned. Which brings up the question is like, well, every time that human Keanu clone comes out, you should kill it before it starts thinking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, that's a good point, too. I think we're getting a muddled yeah, idea yeah, here because sure. he said there were six other matrices. In all six, there was always the one. So was there multiple the ones or was there just the one, the one in six each matrix? Times. Yes. Six times. There's always the one. The so one. there's no way all those screens can represent all the ones because there was right. only ever six of them. Right. Right. right? right. So... That, I think, is just a way for them to look clever sure. visually. Like, yeah. which choice is the choice that Keanu actually makes in this oh, movie? See, ah, I it's see. the one on this screen, you know? Well, oh, the architect is so beyond normal human comprehension. Like, he can literally see every variation of every outcome of everything he ever does in the world. Right, right, right. And those are visual representations of those sure. outcomes, right? All right. Um, buy that. But it's muddled, though. Like, he could have opened with that. Neil could have looked around and been like, what's up with this shit? And yeah. then the architect would have been like, well, it is my job to know so that I can architect the best matrix yeah. what all possible outcomes of all situations yeah, that yeah. can ever exist yeah. are. Which right? makes sense for a machine. So if he had opened with that, then we could have been like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, right, now, we right. can, now we can just right. not think about that shit going on in the background right right, right. it's just flavor basically yeah. one of the screens is can you barrel rolling into the room one of them leapfrogging into the yeah. room one of them doing all these different ways of just entering the room sure okay it would have been funny though just as like a troll to like put someone different in one of the screens like not even <laughs> it's like the the janitor accidentally yeah. happened yeah. into the room right and he's just like mopping the floor yeah. did you remember that one time <laughs> remember that one time when you lost both your arms and you came in in the fight, you got both your arms cut off. Which is, again, I, again, so this is also an issue with the choice, where it all comes down to that one choice. It's like, we've been through this six times, and it always comes down to this this one choice that you have to make uh, of like going through this door or going back to Zion or whatever. And I guess, so all of those fight scenes, it, it takes away the impact or the sense that everything you've seen before, there was actually a chance of him ever losing. But he always makes it here. None of that was really in question yeah none of yeah. that's really in danger because you always make it yeah which it takes actually, it away it takes away the punch yeah that actually that's a very good point too is that if all the other ones made it to him then neo could have just gone on autopilot and he would have made it anyway you know because <laughs> like no matter what choice he made he was destined to get there it makes his specific choices as an important character definitely less impactful yeah. If a whole bunch of other people could have done exactly the same thing as he did. Yeah. In earlier and even admittedly more flawed versions of the Matrix than his. Yeah. Right? That's why it's like, it's like, how do you buy it? How, do, you, do you buy it as like Neo is special? He's the one because he just has like this autistic innate ability to read the code and manipulate the code. Just like how someone is able, you know, a savant is able to just play amazing pieces on the piano just because so i guess that's kind of like what you accept after all of these years and all of these people this one person just happens to have a brain that is able to do this one thing right now that character is no longer interesting mm -hmm. but now the more interesting thing is getting him into the real world and seeing the real world yeah. Keanu. i think in, in this movie those were the most interesting things to me just seeing him struggle with the fact that you know everyone's treating him like a god and he wasn't a god he's just very just like a He's just a regular guy. He can't even do the Matrix stuff in this reality, you know? Yeah. He doesn't know even know Kung Fu, I think, in this yeah. reality. He's just like, he's just back to being a dummy and he's surrounded by these people, but he's still taking the time to placate them or like keep that faith going because he feels like, I guess, like humans need that faith and that belief. Like that, those are the more interesting things. I, I like your idea of like it starting off with he is just so much more super powered and it's almost like the machines go to him 
mm-hmm. and then maybe getting into more i mean we're already already starting to think of ways of like changing it but getting into the machine world and maybe it's not like a unified front on the machine world maybe there are machines that want to keep him alive and want to use him to do something to other machines yeah. and there's something up on that machine world that that, oh. that you want to get get into that was the most most interesting thing that i thought from uh watching this movie and i really wanted it to get there and all of this slow piecemeal stuff of like the the Frenchman and like programs that are exiled and programs that are escaping. And I'm a program that protects that program. It, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and, but, but it, it was too drawn out for me. I, I would rather see a more of a compelling story that had to do with just that and not so much of the, uh, the theological kind of debating yeah. stuff. Yeah. There's so many different ways to take this. And I was even thinking of like, they bothered to create the Merovingian character who seems to be a collector of swords why would he not want to collect Neo? Right, right. Maybe. It's weird though because it seems like they made this Merovingian guy to like he's super wise or something. Like he's just <laughs> he's not like a normal guy. Obviously, yeah. he's yeah. he's got some abilities that like he even programs his own desserts. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That will have for the orgasm. for the orgasm cake that he yeah, makes. For the orgasm I mean, cake. That's, isn't that funny that yeah. they they spend so much time on that kind of a scene? There, there was that because it's kind of an interesting concept. But he, he, he was there just to like express this concept of like everything is just causality. Like nothing matters. It's just like everything is already done, and he's very much above everybody. And it's like you guys are just good at doing exactly what you say. So I'm going to tell you what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And then in like the very next kind of time you see him, they're in this fight, and Neil's beating up all these guys, and he's like, okay, uh, let's let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like it's still the causality. But it's almost like he's fearful because he yeah. doesn't know what, what's going to happen, even though yeah. at the beginning it seemed like he was a guy that he was, knew he was everything. awfully confident in the beginning. Awfully confident. What if there was different parties trying to get to Neo to get them on his their side, right? Yeah, yeah. So the architect, you got the Merovingian. Um, like, what if Agent Smith initially, before wanting to destroy Neo, actually wants to manipulate him for his own uses, right? right? Instead of it being a crutch now that Neo's super powerful, like beyond belief, he's like basically the Dr. Manhattan of the world. Kind of like um, how Dr. Manhattan is used at the end of... <laughs> of Watchmen. Of Watchmen. Here, here is a guy who almost every standard is nowhere near his equal, and right. yet he was able to still manipulate Dr. Manhattan. They yeah. could have done the same kind of concept with, uh, with Neo, where they knew that an actual, like real dispute that involved combat or some kind of resolution where one party is, is defeated they knew that head-on there's no way they could face it up against neo however he does have some weaknesses what if they could capture trinity through some mechanism there's no way that neo can actually save her except to do what they tell him to do because mm-hmm. that would have been one way to diffuse the problem of neo's overpoweredness in the world they yeah. use his overpoweredness for their purposes if anyone is ever concerned about, oh, you have this overpowered character, well, there's lots of ways you can deal with that. And indeed, again, like going back to the Watchmen is, a, is an analog. That's a good example of what you could do with an overpowered character. You yeah. can still have a very interesting story. Yeah. And you can still have the character fundamentally lose. It's not a loss per se. He didn't get his way and he didn't see what was coming. You can still have a battle of sorts happen. And you can have the person who's way overpowered be the loser in the battle, yeah. effectively. They could have taken, you know, a page from that comic and then tried to reconfigure this movie to take that into account. The movie is trying to throw too many things at the audience. There probably should have been more time spent in the real world, but yeah, more fleshing yeah. that idea out a bit more. Yeah, that, I mean, that that's really all I w- would do, really, is like paring down a lot of these ideas to just a few of them, not mm-hmm. so many of them at once. I guess I can't remember how he's able to uh, affect robots in the real world, but I have to look at that again because I think that is a big hang-up I have for me. Smith getting into the real world is also kind of a hang-up for me as well, so I I, I would prefer if that sort of didn't happen. But um, otherwise, you know, this movie shows a lot of cool stuff, and you do do watch it definitely in a, a fun way. It's not like killing your childhood the way that Aliens does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it still, it, it still at least has the ability to be an enjoyable experience so long as you're capable of shutting your brain off yeah, to an yeah. extent when you're watching it. My hat's off to the creators, at least to that extent. Yeah, they did no, make I love the creators. an enjoyable they're, movie. They're really good. But I do, th- I do think like it could have 
been propelled to like a Star Wars level universe building or like Star Trek level um, universe building if it didn't go this route, if it didn't get into this such a theological kind of, you Mm. know, all about these kinds of those kind of concepts, just talking about concepts. I think if they built it out more um, into the machine world, Mm -hmm. those are cool characters, you know, like even the Seraph, even the bodyguard, like those, those are cool characters. The two ghost twins, these are all cool things. Like if it, use those guys in in a slightly different way i think it would become like those other franchise universes where it's all about i just want to find out more i want to find out what that guy's story is like i want to see like a whole movie based on you know that character that character yeah so what i will say i guess in closing is one thing that i think we've both been thinking about is is the real world really the real world so if you're a viewer watching Ooh. the second movie, okay, right, yeah. you're thinking, "Why? What the hell am I doing in this?" Like, okay, Zion, got it, got. It. Can you get back in the Matrix, please? Mm-hmm. Ah, little does the audience know, maybe they never maybe left never, the Matrix. Maybe never left. They're in Zion, and it seems that Neo, at least initially, is just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. But as the film progresses, and we get more and more exposure to this Zion thing, and, and then the the robot threat, some weird things happen, mm-hmm. right? And it's not maybe till the very end of the film that you actually realize, oh, shit, none of this may be what we thought it was. Yeah. So Yeah, that would have been a good place for this second movie. So I guess we'll just leave it at that then. Cool. We will pick it up whenever we pick it up. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Those were their gripes. How do you think they did? Let us know what issues you had with the film by tweeting us at Solace Animation using the hashtag MatrixReloadedGrip. Tune in next week for our rewrites where Chris and Lou present their own versions of Matrix Reloaded. This film may have had a lot of issues, but hey, like we said, we can fix it. See ya!